It was what? The homeless uh, battle royale, something like that. Make sure you, if you ever put that on a computer, make sure you <laughs> cut, you disconnect from the internet. You do everything. Because that thing about to make you homeless. He's like, oh, you want to play a homeless battle royale? Let me show you how it's done. Yeah. <laughs> Go straight to the streets. You're going to be fighting for your survival. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Super Agile Bros. You already know what it is. It's your boy, Bradston, on the mic as per usual. And, of course, we have the boy, Kyle, with us. Kyle, tell the people, hey, hey. What's going on, everybody? So, today's a little bit sad because our boy, Steve, Glasses Steve, Glasses Steve, Steve, uh, Steve Doe. You know, our boy it's tragic. He's, he he's just he's not here with us. He's he's okay. He's fine. He's good. He's healthy. But uh he's unable to uh join us today. I think he's on the road traveling for Thanksgiving. So, you know, uh safe travels to our brother, our super agile bro. But uh he's sorely missed. Um so we're gonna have to do things a little bit different today. You know, uh the parents are out of the house <laughs> and uh you know the kids are running the show. So uh, we're gonna have a good time. Um, so today just, we're I just t- caught on to what you were saying. Yeah, you caught it. <laughs> <laughs> um, today we're gonna talk a little bit about something that me and Kyle are, I would say, pretty experienced in. Something that we've been doing for a long time. Something that we both are very passionate about, and yeah. something that uh, we feel it might be a good time to talk about. It's it's game development, but particularly we're going to be talking a little bit about um, the game development world. Also, kind of a little bit about you know game journalism. We're talking about the game development industry as a whole, but kind of some of the things that we've experienced and noticed and learned on our journey. Um, so I, I think it's going to be a really interesting talk because even before this, like we had ideas of what we we're going to do today for the podcast, and then me and Kyle. We're talking about something and I was like, yo, Kyle, we got to talk about this on the podcast <laughs> because it, it was it was it was that good. So I guess I'll kick it off to Kyle uh, off the jump here off the, the to start it off. So kind of where this conversation started with is Kyle. We were, we were talking today and he asked me if I had seen, I guess, something uh, seen uh, one of a uh, popular YouTubers recent video uh, who goes by the name of GMTK or Game Makers Toolkit. And he was asking me how I felt about it, but I was like, oh, I don't, I haven't really seen it. And then I was like, well, why are you bringing it up? So Kyle, kind of kind of give the rundown of, you know, what you've been feeling about GMTK. Um, you know, you can give a rundown of what the channel is, what's been happening, your feelings. I'm going to hand it off to you and then, you know, we will discuss. So, yeah, for sure. For sure. So, yeah, Game Makers Toolkit, he's, uh, he's been on YouTube for a couple years. Um. It's a guy I've been following for quite some time. He's a, he's a games journalist. Um, but what made him unique, you know, was that he would do like, like breakdowns and analysis, analysis of game mechanics, not just reviewing mm-hmm. certain games. And so that's what made it so cool uh, to watch his videos. They were a lot of times very insightful. You know, he'd break down AI and level design and all these different things. Like it, <clears throat> some really high 
high, seemingly like high level concepts and knowledge, you know, of what made games tick, you know, what made what differentiated good games from mediocre games and yeah, mediocre games from just bad games, you know, why some games failed, games that were ahead of their time, all those different things he kind of just always touched on. Um, but recently, he's kind of moved away from that typical, uh, if you want to, you know, format of videos, you know, he and he's uh, started a game development journey of his own, which at first was pretty interesting because, uh, you know, we've done a couple of game jams that he's hosted. Yeah. And so, you know, we've created games in a week or three days, I think, to, mm-hmm. you know, contribute and he'd play our well, <laughs> he'd play the submitting submitted games. He wouldn't play our game. Our game, yeah, yeah. You know, people who paid him for a top slot. But anyway, mm, uh, he. <laughs> <laughs> so so that was pretty fun. And then you know, during those times, you know, we get his insights on quickly made games and like see what he would say off the cuff, and that was pretty cool. And all this time, you know, it would seem like he was super knowledgeable about making games. So for him to come out with a series saying, hey, this is going to be the first game that I like truly make. You know, I'm going to be learning how to use Unity. And I don't remember if he said he was going to make the art assets, but at least he was going to, you know, take a game development journey and chronicle it for everybody to see. And so on the surface, it seemed really cool, you know, because, you know, it was somebody that I would think a lot of people look up to in in the game, just the indie game world if not the you know game development world as a whole just because his his journals or i guess summaries and you know topics that he's covered have been pretty pretty prolific if I, if that's the right word like he yeah, I, yeah. I i've taken a lot of solace in a lot of stuff he says he, he's he's been saying have you watched any of his uh, older videos so yeah i think i was saying this to you earlier today that like i i was like vaguely familiar with game makers toolkit and like what it was back in the day uh like i don't even know when i got introduced to it but you know for me it's because i'm in like i'm pretty into game development like i think i've mentioned episodes before gdc or the game developers conference so i'm always looking for videos where game developers are talking about techniques and things that they've learned and even if it's not necessarily something that I do particularly, I think there's something to learn. So I think in the midst of going through videos, talk like game development videos, game, game GDC talks, I think I stumbled on his videos, but mm-hmm. I think I maybe just kind of glossed over them because to, they weren't like, they were different, you know, like GDC talks are kind of like a person standing at a podium talking about a game they develop or something they learned. His were more like a, I guess you could say a bird's eye view. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I never, never really, really knew much about him until like we started doing the game jam. So, yeah. Yeah, that was definitely when we started to learn, I guess, even more about him because, uh, yeah, throughout the game jams, you know, he was... First off, the game jams that he was hosting, you know, they were the biggest ones on yeah, Itch, sure. the, the platform. Sure. Like tons, like tens of thousands of entries, mm-hmm. which are setting records every time. And um, yeah, and, I've, and, I've also heard a lot of people reference his videos and stuff too. Yeah, and you you were you you stumbled upon the GMTK jam, right? Like, because I feel like you were like, hey, do you want to try this out or something like that? 
Like I was yeah. like, oh, sure, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he he did one. I think the last one we were in was his third one, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. And so yeah, we I spectated the first one, and then when I saw the entries, they they were accepting entries for the second one. And I was like, hmm, you know, maybe this could be a way for us to get back into game development. Because at that time, we hadn't really made any projects together in, in a while. In a so, while, yeah. yeah. And it's kind of it's kind of kicked us back into gear a little bit, you know, made I a couple of projects since then. I think But so. we were talking a little bit about it earlier. And I guess the interesting thing was you know, the transition from that is because in in doing the game jams and seeing his reviews and stuff, you know, he came across as like this really knowledgeable guy, and <laughs> some during the game jams he'd be playing some games and he'd be kind of critical, mm-hmm. you know, on some of these games, you know, and it seemed like it was coming from a place of experience, but then, you know, what we were talking about earlier is that his new videos about his game dev journey have been revealing, like, just how little he actually knows about the fun the fundamentals of game development. Which on yeah. one hand is kind of sobering because it's like, you know, cool. We're seeing somebody, uh, you know, their true experience with learning game development from the ground up. But then on the other hand, it's like, wait a minute. Is this the same guy who did this 30-minute mm-hmm. video about artificial intelligence in games? Yeah. And I think for me, like, since I had didn't know much about him, I did note, like, during his streams, especially when he was playing other people's games, you know, like... You know, it like one thing about game jams, if you're not familiar with them, essentially like what it is is like you you can like it's basically like a hackathon or like basically a whole bunch of people come together in a short period of time and they create a game, right? And your teams can vary in size, you know, people vary in skill level, you know, it could be a one person team, it could be a ten person team, it could be somebody who's been doing it for literally their first time making a game to somebody who's been doing it for like a decade or something like that and so there's a big like skill gap a lot of times um and the thing that kind of like made me feel a little weird i think about his thought process was just that he would mention during the games like oh this game is kind of we- like not good but you know i've never made a game before so mm-hmm. I-, I appreciate your effort and you know it takes a lot and-, and so i was like wait this guy hasn't made a game before <laughs> you know like <laughs> Yeah, he, kind of, he speaks as an authority. Like I, I didn't expect him to have made like, you know, Skyrim, <laughs> right? Skyrim. But no. you know, but even to dabble, I think is important. Even as a hobbyist, you kind of get a real understanding of the the difficulties of game development. You get an understanding of things to consider. So it kind of was off putting, and I kind of was like, ah, then why are you judging me? That's kind of how I felt. <laughs> but I said, yeah. you know what? And I was saying this to Kyle earlier. You know what? Like, there's people who have never practiced law in, but they are criminal law or something, but they're experts in their field because of yeah. study and understanding of history and case law and blah, 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 blah. So I said, you know what? Like, I'm going to just let it pass. But, like, and, and then there's other stuff, and maybe we'll talk about later, like, that made me, like, kind of be like, okay, this is a little suspect. Like, how games were getting chosen to be played and like stuff like that made me feel a little weird but um anywho you know to hear that he's you know doing this whole his own game development journey was definitely interesting to hear so so sorry continue kyle i had i had to say that because no yeah Yeah, thanks for bringing that up because that's that's a good point because that's kind of like i guess where like you articulated where my thought process is 
better than I could because it's like how do you like I, like it's, it's like the saying you know don't don't meet your heroes type of thing because <laughs> like yeah. he's like unfold unfolding right before my very eyes he's showing that he's just a regular guy who doesn't really know anything about game development and you know after watching his video hours and hours of his content it's like I'm struggling with the credibility you know like where were his who were his sources you know it's like like he's not the one with the knowledge anymore is that is that what that's like what I'm struggling with you know yeah yeah and it's like not that he should uh he shouldn't be allowed to have an opinion right right like or that he shouldn't just because you don't know everything doesn't mean that you shouldn't have you know some insight but like to think that like you have never like never even tried like like the way yeah. that he's described well no no he said that he's maybe tried it i don't know the way he's been saying it is kind of confusing to me but it just seemed like like wait like you you have these deep in depth like you said something like ai like not to say that i'm an artificial intelligence development master but i've watched gdc talks i've worked in ai i've you know worked in ai outside of even game development so i kind of have an understanding of the principles what to consider pathfinding logic weighted randomness whatever these kind of things they're not theories to me they're like practical things that you have to consider and how they are implemented in games and here's somebody to hear that somebody has this deep Oh, this is bad. This is good in a game. Mm-hmm. But like honestly couldn't tell you even an approach. You know, he could just from the out the top, you know, from the outside of the world, like, oh, like you're an art critic, but you've never painted before. Like, you don't know what a stroke is, you don't know what blah 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 blah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like And that's kind of the breakdown that I'm feeling now as I as I watch his videos. Like I'm trying not I'm trying not to be critical towards the guy. You know, because I, I understand, but it's like the more I watch them, the more I see him fall into pitfalls and traps that early and young and new game developers fall into, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm I'm struggling to realize, I, I guess, see the difference between is he just making the content? You know, is he playing up a scenario for the viewers because it seems like he's genuinely struggling with stuff that he's kind of called out in a lot of his other videos, you know, like having a focused type of, you know, gameplay like during the during the game jams. Like if a game didn't seem focused or if there was too many elements or if there wasn't a hook, all this, all these things that seems to be like where he's getting caught up in like the scope creep and getting lost in the genres of his game versus the gameplay, like, you know, and, and he mentions, like, he kind of goes back and forth, like, this internal struggle between the knowledge that he's gathered over the last couple years mm-hmm. versus the genuineness of him never making a game before. And it's like he's having to come to grips with all the claims he's made from the outside looking in that game development is more or less one note. And, like, yeah, he's suffering from all the gray areas now. And... You know, it's it's kind of an interesting thing to see. And yeah. I'm, I'm and I'm I'm kind of surprised because, you know, for somebody who has the knowledge that he has, I would I would think you know that 
it would be more hidden throughout this journey. And so that's why I'm trying to think of it from the guys as maybe he's intentionally playing these things up for his viewers. Because mm. when I read through the comments, they're saying, oh, you know, these lessons you're going through are really helping me. You know, like I'm really seeing the stuff you're struggling with and it, it's making a lot of sense. But I'm having trouble like disconnecting that from, you know, an authority on the subject matter shouldn't be struggling with these type of things. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and, and some, it begs a question, and I think you asked this a little bit or, or said this a little bit earlier when we were talking the first time when we first started the conversation was like, like, who's his audience? Right. Yeah. Like, because, you know, at first when you see somebody speaking and has a, a large audience of people, you think to yourself, OK, well, these people must see him as an authority. Right. And mm-hmm. they must think that he he's knowledgeable or understanding of, of these techniques and blah, blah, blah. And the more that, you know, the thing that you mentioned before, I think, was like, oh, a lot of these people have probably never made a game or even have tried to really make a game or have gotten very far because I think that's maybe why his content, even a little content that I've seen never resonated with me Mm. because I think, especially me being like a person who watches GDC talks for fun. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah, like I'm watching, like today I shared a video uh, about like uh, pixel art with Kyle and I'm not a, artist or a designer but to me it's interesting to hear the techniques that somebody's implementing into a a game development you know Mm -hmm. world because i'm like okay that's interesting because me being aware of this will help me when i work with kyle and you know like how does he approach this and what i need to be thinking about blah, blah 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 so for me it's like a little bit educational but it's like interesting and fun and you know seeing some of these topics he covers like oh this is like a pretty like there's whole gdc like master classes on this stuff where people are like i don't even know how what the right answer is you know like like i just read i just read just watched a gdc talk where like uh, a game designer is talking about how the wrong question to ask somebody is how is a game fun how do you make something fun (laughs) and and not that i i don't know if gmtk has ever tackled this but i but I wonder if that might be the approach that he sees it as. Like, because fun is not the answer. Like, if somebody says, oh, I want to make a fun game, that's wrong. It's like, you want to make a game that, like, either engages the user, you know, is, uh, you know, uh, something that connects with them, you know, creates a new uh, way, approach. At some, like, you have to think about it on a different wavelength. Because fun is absolutely, like, some people don't have fun. Yeah going to you know the amusement park and other people do so it's subjective and then like that that's one siloed way to kind of classify an experience because maybe to somebody you know it's enjoyable quote unquote but not necessarily what you consider to be fun you know yeah like relaxing isn't fun necessarily but it's enjoyable. And some people yeah. play games to relax, not to have fun. Fun per se. Yeah. 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 So and, the and distinction I, does exist. Yeah. And it, it, it just begs the question of like, <sighs> there's a lot of ways we, we can go with this conversation, but it's like, you know, the emperor has no clothes, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, 
I will probably participate in another GMTK jam just because I think it's a a good lesson. I like learning. I like taking a challenge. I like challenging myself and I enjoy working with Kyle. You know, that we work a lot on games. And also I think that it if you were to say be successful in a GMTK jam, it does give you a little bit of exposure. Mm-hmm, um, if your game actually gets played, if you, you know, consider, you know, if you don't pay anybody. But anyway, um, sorry, I'm just making shots. But anyway, um, <laughs> but like, I think for me, like, not that I had a lot of, I think I said this to Kyle earlier, but like, I don't really have respect for anybody. Like, (laughs) like, I don't, I don't necessarily look at a person just because they're in a particular position or doing a particular thing that that person deserves my respect in that field. Right. I think they deserve respect as a human being. Like I will never talk down to them. I'll never call them out of their name. You know, they deserve that respect, but that doesn't mean that I should, you know, respect them as a subject matter expert or mm. somebody who knows what they're talking about. So fundamentally, when I look at GMTK's channel content, I don't know, if, you know, that's how I look at him. But I think the the respect that I started to gain is pretty much diminished. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it sounds like it, it's like that for you too, Kyle, you know, from what you've been saying. Yeah, to a degree, I, I would I would say, because his... His videos very well produced. He's a a great writer, a great journalist, but it, a lot of them come have come across as more of an authority versus you know a journalistic opinion, opinion. or high mm-hmm. concepts. It's like you know this is what you do to make your game good, and whether or not that was the intent, I don't know, but you know looking this that was just how they were coming across and so it, it set this expectancy at least for me that even though he hadn't made a game you know maybe he hadn't made very many games when he gets on the journey to make his own game he'd at least abide by those concepts that he was an authority for because the thing you you mentioned a, a few minutes ago about you know asking how to make a game fun is kind of the, the straw that broke the camel's back for me as far as watching these videos because i was i've been legitimately watching them thinking that i could learn something and you know since he's such a great writer and he does yeah. do a lot of research there are tidbits of knowledge in there but i think the unfortunate part is that when he's real and visceral his lack of knowledge kind of shows and so one thing he said it was pretty early in the video like maybe five minutes in and so First off, I was avoiding the video already because the last video <laughs> put me off. And I was like, you know, I don't, I can't watch any more of these. And so it showed up, it came, it, it auto-played after another, after, actually after the video you sent me. You trapped me because you, Wait, you sent video? me that oh, oh, the, the, about the the low-poly art, okay, the, the okay, GDC yeah. talk. And so it auto-played his video afterwards because it was in the background listening to it. And I was like, you know what? I'll give it a chance. And so he did his, you know, his opener, his premise. And then... He was talking about one of the videos he made a couple years ago or before. I don't know how long ago it was, but it was about level design and and puzzle design. And he said that he approached those people and asked them, how do you make what was the what was the question? How do you make puzzles fun or something like that? Like, how do you make a puzzle? How do you make a puzzle? That's I think what you said to me earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, what what kind of question? Is that like it was like 
out of the void, you ask somebody, how do you make a puzzle? And he said that their response was, you know, they just get, they just gave him a slow shrug. You know, it was like, how, how do you begin to answer that? <laughs> you know, because <laughs> and, and, and then what really, I guess, disappointed me was, you know, shoot your shot. I get that. But he said his reaction was disappointment. Like he was dis- disappointed that they didn't give him a simple, easy answer and a formula that he could go by and just go plug into his game. And I was like, oh, that is, you know, what a, what a perspective to have going into this, that you're looking for easy routes already, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it, it really just kind of solidified, I guess, where his head is at. Because I remember first couple games that I made, that was my go-to. And if you ever played one of those crappy games on that, on your iPhone or something, you know, it's easy that you can easily tell that that's what their intent was too. What what's the least the path of least resistance for me mm-hmm. to make an interactive mm-hmm. game that I could just shovel out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, and I and I think that's kind of so. So you know, I want to say this because you know, it's just like just a real talk thing. So number one, like we the super agile bros, we positive people, and we we try to keep it that way. But I think one thing that I think is important to note is that like positivity and truth can be together, right? We're speaking truth from our perspective. Once again, this is our opinions, but like when we're looking at somebody, especially for something we care dearly about, like, which is game development, like this is (laughs) like, if there's something that, if there's a field that I think Kyle or myself could decide to be in, that would be sustainable financially, emotionally all that da, 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 you know like it would probably be game development over yeah. a, a, anything else so like we don't tread we take it not that it's sacred it's not you know like like that but it's like we have a, a certain of amount of respect for the art respect for the creative process and we have been in it so for us like we take it from a very critical point if somebody's going to speak as an authority figure, it, like like you said earlier, Kyle, it's one thing to say like, hey, this is my opinion. This is how I feel about it. But to say a game is fun or AI is good if, you know, yeah. like it's different than, you know, saying like, you know, in my opinion, I think things that can make games fun are this. In my opinion, you know, like it felt it, it definitely feels more authoritative and just, you know, not, I think one thing that's really cool about GMTK is like his voice and his cadence. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Like there's no way you, you don't fall feel asleep like, to that stuff. Exactly. Like there's something about it where you're like, yeah, yeah, I trust you. I trust you. And um, <laughs> yeah. And, and I yeah, I think like you said, Kyle, like when you first start game development, for those who may be interested in game development as a career or just somebody who just likes playing games like you realize early in the process that pretty much everything that you thought about game development is probably kind of wrong. Yeah. You know, um, unless you've done a thorough amount of research and listened to a lot of GDC talks. And even if you have listened to a lot of talks, it's very different from practically sitting down and trying to create a new idea or even implement an idea that already exists. Right. Like it's still difficult to make it quote unquote fun or entertaining or interesting. And yeah, like I think it's, it's kind of like walking up to a millionaire and then going like the question he asked to those like puzzle designers or game designers, like how do you get rich? Mm-hmm. Like bro, yeah, where's <laughs> the money at? You know, how do I get this money? It's like, well, like check this out, man. Like, <laughs> 
there's <laughs> there's plenty of ways to get money. It's yeah. just like, what are you good at? What are you pro? A better question is like, hey, I've been starting my business and I've been struggling with this, and I'm trying to figure out how do I get more customers. Da 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 da. Right? Like that's an right. informed question. You know, mm-hmm. if I if I go to a puzzle designer and I'm asking him a question about puzzles, I'm gonna say, hey, you know, one thing that me and Kyle have been working on is how to make an interesting puzzle with this type of motif. You know, we're trying to make it uh, easy to understand, readability, high readability, but like with some challenge. Like, how do you go about approaching? You know, making something accessible pretty early, the puzzle accessible, but adding challenge as the player gets deeper. And you know, like something like that that shows that like. Oh, like I'm like, what? Like, how do you make a puzzle? <laughs> right. Like you got to meet, you got to give them something to work with so they can see at least where your level is. Cause that's such a, that's such an open, that's the, a hugely open-ended question because, you know, going back to the millionaire example, they could tell you, oh, well, you need to invest in real estate. You need to go buy some stocks. Mm-hmm. You need to go work at McDonald's and work your way all the way up to manager and then own a McDonald's. 25 years in the future you know all these they'll, they'll all get you to money but it's just like mm-hmm. because your question is so non-specific and so yeah to puzzle design if you don't even tell them what genre that you're attempting to make your game is in you know is or like how do, how does the player move what do they interact with is it a card game you know is it a 3d game is it vr you know where where is it even happening does any mm-hmm. part of it exist and so it's just like they have to formulate the mecha- the rules of the puzzle because that's what really makes a puzzle work are the compounding rules. And if you don't even give them that, then they could give you something that would be useless to you too. Like you're not exactly. helping anybody by asking such an open-ended question. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think one thing that I, I – you know, I, I respect – you know, I was just watching a video like not too long before we started recording about some like YouTubers and – like how they they rose and they fell, right? Like I'm like mm-hmm. okay, interesting. And and one thing that I've noted is that a lot of the YouTubers, no matter what type of content they were doing, how they rose and fell is them how they started their journey, like how they became successful. If they became successful genuinely, like hey, this is who I am, this is what I do, blah 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 blah, like. You know, shout out to the boy Corey Kenshin, shout out to the boys Omni, shout out to, you know, like these people who are just being themselves, you know, like they kind of, they resonate for a long time yeah. because game they don't, theorist. game theorist, oh man, he's the OG of being himself. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the game theorist, you know, like these guys and gals, they, um, they really come out the gate as themselves. But the other side is the YouTuber that comes out with like a facade you know, the Fousey tubes and the, mm. uh, you know, the, I, I don't know a lot of YouTubers, but I know him. He, he fell off hard. <laughs> uh, you know, like they kind of like have a gimmick and then it's hard to carry that gimmick on. And right. I feel like GMTK might have run into that same existential crisis where like he enjoys the journalism aspect of talking about games. And then he was like, ah, you know, like. This isn't something I'm enjoying anymore. I've been doing this for years and I want to do something different. But the problem is like your content was always a like based on like a premise that you're an expert. So mm-hmm. to all of a sudden appear on camera, because first of all, like, no, I, I don't know if anybody knew what he looked like. He appears on camera. <laughs> so like he gets rid of that mystery, which is it is what it is. A lot of people say that's a bad idea. 
Like, so he humanizes mm. himself. Yeah. And then in that humanization, he goes, also, I don't know anything. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like, so all of a sudden, like, you just go, oh, you're the Wizard of Oz. Like, you are just here doing <laughs> stuff. And, mm-hmm. have no- and, and, like, I think I appreciate the honesty. I do. But I feel like maybe that should have came earlier. Or he could have taken the honesty and kind of been like, hey, so what I'm going to do is make a game, but I'm going to talk about specific aspects of right. the game and how I'm building them and applying the principles that I talked about with you guys earlier in this way. No, I've never made a game. I don't have that skill set programming. Okay, cool. That's fine. But I'm going to yeah. show you how you can approach making a game that's going to be fun. But you know what's funny? Making that claim means that you have to be confident that you can make a fun game. But if you mm. never, if you don't know what you're talking about, you probably don't want to speak that confidently. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And that's kind of been like all all of that kind of encompasses, I guess the the last couple of episodes, like how they've come across to me, like the the human side of it is like you said, it's appreciated, but then. Income, I guess it's 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 just it's impossible for me <laughs> to remove who he is on camera now to in comparison to who he was behind the camera when he was just the voice. Yeah, you know, because you know, if if I knew that he was just speaking candidly about these different, yeah, like the, the stuff he's running into and really just trying to pass it off as. These are things you need to look out for when you're developing your game. And I feel like, he, you know, he he's the type of writer, journalist or whatever, just compared to his other work that could have easily created a narrative around this journey, mm-hmm. you know. But what scares me, I, I say scares me, but the, his first couple of videos so far, in my opinion, have holistically just like from his little rants and stuff, they've been real, but because of that sense of authority, they've also kind of been damaging to people who may want to start a game Mm -hmm. to think that, you know, having these internal struggles, you know, a lot of times he, he shows a way out, but he like has them on camera kind of like this, this last one, he rants on and on about the difference between his, his game is struggling. He's struggling to figure out, if his game is a puzzle game or a platformer game. Mm. And the thing about it is, you know, he's still in the early development phases. Like the game hardly exists. Yeah. And so he's trying to make this decision, but then out of the other side of his mouth saying, well, maybe I should just let the game tell me what it wants to be. But at the same time, the whole video, he's not making progress and he's going back and forth, creating these different levels and trying to like force one of these aspects to fit, you know? Yeah. And he goes, puzzle, platformer, puzzle, platformer. And then I thought it was a bit. I thought he would eventually land, you know what? Puzzle platformers exist. Why don't I just make it both? <laughs> but he exactly. stuck to his guns and said it could only be one. And I was like, whoa. You know, that's that's one of the strongest ways to stunt any sort of innovation when it comes to these games. And... It contradicts a lot of the things or pretty much all of the GMTK game jams we've had 
have been the combination of two or more genres in an effort to make something new. And so, like, to see that in his own journey, he hasn't referenced his own advice, but is like put himself into a box is just kind of odd, you know, and it seems like it's visceral. It seems like he's legitimately ignorant to having both genres be okay to make a game, to make his first game. Like, it's it's like, man, there's so much I can say about that. It's like, you know, game development 101, like, you know, it's all, you know, you go gameplay first, right? The Nintendo method, right? You try to make the game fun and then you try to build on it. But like one thing that you learn and you hear from a lot of game developers, like if an idea isn't working, you got to get rid of it like and move on. Like, mm-hmm. like to, to be attached to this idea, like, can it be a puzzler or a platformer? It's like, like, yeah, the game can kind of tell you what it's going to be. And I think that's a part of it, like from playing it and understanding it and, and kind of finding, you know, what makes it like tick. But it's like, it's almost like, like there's a reason that games take two, three years to make, mm-hmm. right? Because like, just like when a writer writes a book and they get writer's block, you know, like sometimes you're just developing, like sometimes like, you know, me and Kyle will be sitting down and we just got like, like ideas on ideas, bars on bars, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. okay, boom, let's do this. Boom, let's do this. Boom, let's do this. And then like we implement all these things and we're like, okay, now what do we do with this? Like, how are we feeling? You know, like, and at that point it start. it's like, okay, let's try this. No, that doesn't feel right. This, oh, this feels better. Ooh, if we did that, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. you're kind of like massaging out the, the, the thing that really makes your game tick, you know? Right. And I, I, I dare say in many ways, and, and it's hard because I feel like in order to be an expert in something, you kind of have to die on some type of hill. Mm. But I dare say, like, there's almost like there's very few people, unless you're like a really seasoned vet who can say, like, I know what makes a game great, because how many studios have made great games and bad games? <laughs> you know, it's like. Right. It, it happens, and there's a lot of reasons for that. And mm-hmm. I feel like you can't. I don't know. There's some hubris in here. Like, to think that. Like, my interest is how long will this go on? Like, how long. When will he quit? <laughs> like, like, what's. Because it's like. Like, we've made plenty of games, but we've also, like, hung up a lot of games. And. Right. rarely the first game you make is going to be the best game you know that happened with the stardew valley guy like he's one in a billion so it's like is does what's the likelihood that the game that he makes is going to be even interesting right and playable you know right yeah because um it going back to the stardew valley guy i think even in times like that because what that game was in development for 10 years something Something like that crazy something crazy i would wager that within that 10 years the game was made you know three four or five six times over until Mm -hmm. you know he landed through the trials of making those other versions he landed somewhere where stardew valley is now yeah because you know it at I think it's just unreasonable 
<laughs> to think that the very first game you make is going to be, like, it could be novel, but to be on the level of Stardew Valley, there there had to be some, you had to go through something, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> deep <laughs> darkness. Deep darkness makes a game like that. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, like, I, I, and I might be, I might be wrong, but I, I could have sworn, I can't remember his name. Is it Mark? The Game Maker's Toolkit guy? Mm-hmm. I could have sworn that his his whole, you know, goal for this endeavor wasn't to make the next hit indie game. And, you know, because of the following he has, there's a chance that even if he put it on Steam and sold it for a dollar and it was garbage, that he would still still make. Mm. Yeah. Just because he has, you know, the loyal fans and, you know, he's been an authority up to this point. But, you know, it seemed like it was just to be kind of an experiment, you know. Because he said he hadn't made a game, he wanted to make a game, and it's over the process. It seems like it's becoming something that's much larger. Like he's mm-hmm. he's feeling like this intense weight for it to be good. Yeah. One of the things because I've I've felt what he was talking about today because there there are nuggets, there are really good nuggets in here, you know, in this video still. But he was talking about he's making a concept version or a demo version, and he wanted to put five levels in it. And he said that he woke up in the middle of the night, you know, going back against all of his thoughts and thinking it's not good enough to share yet and stuff like that, you know. And it's like, you know, is this, are you wanting to publish this game? Like what, like are you losing sight of what your goal was, which was just to make a game, you know, Mm -hmm. part of me thinks there might be too many eyes on it. Mm-hmm. yeah the expectations yeah like what does it even mean i want to make a game like like yeah. not to be rude but like what does that mean you know like i think for myself when i say like oh yeah i want to make a game to me it's like i have an interesting idea or a concept and i want to follow it through to see like if it can become something so like yeah like my goal isn't to release 85 percent of what i create you know, like, or even 95%. Most of the time, it's just, ooh, I want to see if I can, like, recently I made, like, before uh, Among Us and all those games came out, I made kind of a, uh, uh, what do you call it, a um, mafia-type game. Like, just just in my you free did? time. Yeah, like, I Man, still- <laughs> that could have been you. <laughs> yeah, you know, but once again, like, my goal wasn't necessarily, like, my goal was like, oh, I want to make something fun, like, something, you know, da da like a multiplayer game, blah, blah, blah. So, it, it was me dabbling, but really, that was just a lesson teaching me more about all the things that I know now, you know, and how to approach things, and, um, you know, like, I think, yeah, like you said, there's a lot of pressure on him, and... I, you know, I, you know, best of luck to him. I think honestly, he, you know, it's, I also think it's like one of those things where he's falling into the early game developer trap of what's it called? Scope creep. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, like I want to make a game. I want to make it this big. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to make it this big. And then like, maybe you narrow it down because you realize, oh, I don't have the skills or that. Well, I'll make it this big, but you still don't really understand <laughs> what that takes. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. what does it take to make five levels? Five, like, yeah. 
the hardest thing is, you know, to be anybody out there who's aspiring to be a game developer, the hardest thing isn't making the gameplay. Sometimes it's making those interconnected pieces, making mm-hmm. the menus, making sure that when you load out of a level and you load into another, everything is situated, making sure that it's consistent. Like those little pieces are sometimes the most difficult things. Easily. You know? yeah. Easily, you know. And it's funny you mentioned scope creep because I wanted to watch the entire video before I talked about it. And, you know, the first 16 minutes was, you know, him in this cycle of how do I make the game better? You know, what what type of game is it? All these, you know, really conceptual things that people you tend to get stuck on. And he actually did transition and say, you know, a lot of this stuff does tie into scope creep where you have you have an idea and it builds on another idea, it builds on another yeah. idea. But it reminded me of like, you ever see those movies or even in games where they're like, oh, I hate when a game has a, a minecart level. Yeah. And then the next level is a minecart level. Minecart level. And it's mm-hmm. just as bad as the games that they were <laughs> making fun of. Mocking. Like, mm-hmm. That's what it felt like because it was like for the first 16 minutes, he was like, man, you know, I, this game needs to be bigger, needs to be better. And then he's like, all that scope creep. And, you know, he had an interview with a guy who uh, worked on another game. And, you know, which I think I thought was good. And he just he just showed the guy talking. And what the guy said was, you know, stuff like this. You know, it's 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 very easy to overwhelm yourself because you're in this. You're in the thick of it. You want it to be the best it can be. You have all these ideas. You want to make them all right now. But he's like, give yourself some arbitrary timeline to do stuff in. And see what you can do in that timeline. And so, like, that was probably the best part of the video, in my opinion. Because the whole first half of him deliberating, I get it. You know, you want to show that I, to your viewers to some degree, or at least acknowledge it. But it felt very, it felt overloaded. And I feel like a lot of people at the 15-minute mark would have zoned out and only got the negative side and not gotten... Yeah. At the very end, where the guy was like, "You need to reset, because if you continue like this, you're gonna burn yourself out, mm-hmm. or you're never gonna finish the game." Mm-hmm. And it was like at the end of the video, the guy talked for like two minutes, and I was like, "That is the meat of what's going on." Like that's, and so then I was a little bit discouraged again because he was like, "I'm gonna give myself thirty days to make five levels." Oof. Yeah, and he he tried to soften the blow by saying you know it's not going to be 30 consecutive and holidays other videos and stuff but i was like it's this it sounds exactly the same as what you've been doing Mm -hmm. like you know you've been working on the game when you can around Mm -hmm. other things to make it bigger and bigger it's like good luck with that you know it's interesting that the the (laughs) i don't know how long the video was but it sounds like the the piece of content that was actually truly informative was the piece of content that came from a person who actually does this. Yes. You know? Like, it doesn't even matter what scale they do it, at indie level or AAA. Like, like, somebody who actually cut their teeth in it, you know, making money or not. Like, it's just, you can't, you cannot, you can't, you can't explain to somebody how much the experience of making a game really matters you know i think one of you know we talk about it all the time but one of our games amber like was so informative for both of us like we had both been making games um Mm -hmm. you know i i had released three games at that point before amber 
um, and you know, like they each had their own. <laughs> they're they're all different in their own way. Um, so long story short, as we get to this idea, we start to make amber, and we got so many ideas. And I think eventually we were just like, you know what? Let's just we just need to choose a date that we're gonna release mm-hmm. this boy. You know, like we got so much to do. Like this game could be so much greater. Like we could have five different zones. Like we had drawn out, right. like you had drawn out, like this map, and we were like thinking it through, and we were like, you know what? Like let's do basically what we called the alpha the pre-alpha <laughs> pre-alpha but you know that was so like that's probably one of my favorite experiences developing a game because even though Absolutely. like the last whew, weeks like the last week <laughs> was like tough like because yeah. all of the things that i mentioned earlier the little pieces you don't think about the ui and saving the game and the how do when what builds break <laughs> exactly and all these why is it breaking like it was working before like all these little things that will drive you insane but it teaches you a lot it just teaches you a lot about how do you approach game development and and not that you need to have like a 20 point plan and have it all in jira and you know what i'm saying like (laughs) right you you don't need to do all that but you got to at least approach it with some type of strategy goals yeah attainable goals like where are you going with it? Is because if you stop with, I'm gonna make a game, you could be working on that game the rest of your life theoretically. because yeah. you didn't set up anything for the other side of that. Yeah. Because I'll say I'll agree. You know, um, you putting that definitive timeline on when we were gonna release Amber was like the best thing that could have happened. Because I was willing. Because all the games I'd worked on up to that point. I had just worked on and worked on and worked on until I just burnt out on them, forgot about them, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so with, if you wouldn't have set that date, I would have never published any game to any degree. So I am grateful for that. But like you were saying, it also gave us the opportunity to experience the other side of things, the end of it. So mm-hmm. many people build games for so long and then never know what it's like to actually publish it. Yeah. And so like if you publish something small, at least you get the experience of publishing something, you know. Yeah. And because to, to this day, to this day, to this day, there are things about Amber that I despise. The choices we made, but it's just like I don't regret putting it out there. Mm-hmm. The people that we shared it with, and even you know, most of all, the experience of putting it out there. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think it's just one of those things where like our game got tighter because of that, because. You know, first of all, the game is <laughs> it's funny because you lose objectivity when you're creating a game. But like mm-hmm. to see people enjoying it and people being like, well, this is really cool. And people like really digging into it and like asking questions and oh, it'd be cool if you, like when somebody says, oh, I wish this had this. Yeah, that's a good sign because that tells you that there's something that they want to play it more mm-hmm. and they just wish it had this because it would draw them deeper into the game it's like okay cool you know and and i think that was like our first time making a game where we like saw we got actual feedback from people and got like actual like okay this was good this was bad and i think that yeah. that that timeline and just publishing and going through that process you know it just teaches you like also perseverance like if anything that's why props to every person who's ever made a game ever on any level Right. You have a spirit that is un- unbreakable. 
to some degree. <laughs> because, man, to, to finish out a game, to put it out there in a way that somebody can play it without ever seeing you, ever talking to you, is... Mm-hmm. It's a it's a monstrous feat, and so I want I, I you know something we were talking about earlier was like game devs in general, and yeah. you know you were saying before like hey you know like he you know uh, GMTK guy Mark or whatever is like oh you know I'm working on this game in 30 days and I'm gonna do it in my time, and I think what's interesting about being a game developer, particularly like for us who definitely desire to be in that world, but also like have to pay bills have responsibilities didn't come from you know means per se and just kind of like can't it's not just easy to just step in uh to like making your own game without like making a huge sacrifice there's something that like i've and we were talking about this earlier like i feel like there's this this thing that exists within game development as a whole like what i like to call indie game dev privilege you know mm. like where if you look at the person who is a successful indie dev mm-hmm. there's kind of a normal pattern to what uh-huh. who they are and and there, there's a lot of things you can mention but the probably the biggest one is the ability to one solely focus on the development of that game yeah like and maybe that's one because <laughs> because they're maybe able to maybe they have no attachments meaning they don't have a family they don't have you know kids stuff stuff like that like relational attachments and also like there's a financial burden that i find right. in any <laughs> game dev rarely has like mm. either it's because they have the ability to not work for long extended periods of time and still be able to eat and right <laughs> like have a house have live a, have yeah. internet you know have, have mm-hmm. a computer that can mm-hmm. you know run a game engine yep that's all luxury yeah. stuff so if you're if you're not working and you have access to that stuff you are blessed yeah and to have that and and also like like you said like and and then there's like a whole nother world of like oh like hearing stories of like oh yeah you know me and a group of guys we moved to san francisco and we you know, just we and and it always sounds like they're slumming it out, right? Like four of us, <laughs> five of us, we got a house in San Francisco, and we all were working nonstop. That's all we did. You know, we didn't have social time. We didn't do anything but make this game. And I'm like, you know how much it costs to rent a house in San Francisco? <laughs> to live in like, San Francisco. To live in San Francisco to rent a box in San Francisco. Like, like, isn't that one of the places with the highest homeless rate? Yeah, it's ridiculous because if this is, it's absolutely l- the opposite of affordable living, you yeah. know. And it's like, oh, you just got to go to these conventions and then show your game. And I'm like, how are you getting to that convention? How are you right. paying for a booth? How are you Yo. even like, like you said, <laughs> you know, the biggest, the biggest like uh, difficulty for me getting into development at all is that I didn't have a phone. Like when I was making mobile games. Mm. I didn't have a phone that I could actually test or publish my games on. So all my games were made on my personal computer, which was already like struggling and I could never really test them. So the way that I got a phone is that I did a Kickstarter just to get enough money to buy a low level phone that did enough for me to publish a game on. Wow. Like, 
Like, and I, and, and I was blessed because I was able to stay at my parents for a few months. You know, I basically, I was still working. That's the thing. I was working part time for a good portion. And then, well, I was working a full time. Then I went to part time, had some money saved up, did that. Like, but the thing is, I had to have somewhere to live. So if I didn't have my parents, well, you know, I have a privilege there. Right. You know, like good luck being a person who lives across the country or doesn't have family like that. Like you're not being an indie game dev. You know what I'm saying? Not truly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. Because I know that there are indie game devs out there who do have a full time job, have a significant other. And some of them even have kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like they're up till three, four in the morning doing their thing. Hey. This I'm not talking. We're not talking about you guys. You guys are putting in the work, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's completely different. But if you're saying out here, you know, game indie game dev life is hard, but you've been able to only work on your game for two years, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. no no source of income needed. Yeah, yeah. That's, like that's not the real thing. Yeah, you know, it's like it's hard, you know. It's definitely like, you know, a lot of people to get into the industry, but just like any job, you get a job, it's kind of hard to leave that job because now, you know, there's all the attachments, you know, and, you know, that's why I like games like, um, like the game we just mentioned, Stardew Valley, the guy probably made it over a course of years because he had to do it in the midst of things like, mm-hmm. and, and from my understanding of the story, like you said, he made the game like three times to completion, you know, like it had to go back, you know, cause he's like, I don't like this. I'm rewrite. I'm doing all the textures over. I'm doing all the dialogue over. You know, like yeah. he, it, it was crazy. Um, and and then there's like the next level, which is like, <laughs> I'm not really an indie game dev, but I act like. Remember when we went to GDC and the the indie game dev awards? You you remember that? Yeah. Remember who was winning all the 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 games? The uh. the indie game dev. Like, you don't even have to remember the name of the game. But do you remember when they went on stage and accepted their awards? Who did they think? Like, who is their, like... Oh, like they had, like, the publishers and stuff? Yeah, like, these indie game devs, like, the ones that we laud as indie game devs, they're not indies. Yeah. They have like, the funding of AAAs, but mm-hmm. they're, like, subsets of those. Like, they're, they're still aff- affiliated with those enormous studios... But yeah, they just have smaller teams. Like, right. They're over here, like, thanking Mark Cerny and, like, like people who are like Miyamoto. Like, <laughs> like I just want to thank Miyamoto for his support. And I'm like, who? Small you, contribution from who? Nintendo. It wasn't Breath of the Wild on the indie game dev, like, game. Like, there's some, like, random. <laughs> Like, I don't know. There's just so many I remember weird. what you're talking. Yeah, I think it was in the music genre or something. Yeah, but like, yeah there was a, a game that did not belong there. Yeah, and it's like there's one or two games that definitely were truly indie game devs. But even when you look into those stories more, you realize, like, it's really who you know. Oh. Like, you know. Yeah. And, and that's one of the discrepancies we've talked about, even with Steve one time, is that there's really no, like, um, balancing within the indie game space. Because... There is, like, when you get to the studio level, it's understood everybody has a studio of some sort. But in the indie game, it starts off 
like the highest is a small studio and the lowest is one guy working by himself yeah. for 10 years and they have to compete in the same arena. Yeah. yeah. It's completely unbalanced. Yeah. Like it, it just feels like, like, yeah, like why, you know, it's going back to like, I'm, I'm playing in the high, high school league. You're playing in the NFL, like not necessarily like skill level, but it's like resources. Even. Yeah. Like, I can't get in front of as many eyes, but we're competing for the same quote unquote dollars on Steam mm-hmm. or Itch. You know, like it, it blows my mind when I see like these smaller, like, you know, game to publishing platforms and I see a game that I'm like, that is nowhere near. Like, this should be not here. This isn't fair. This just drowns <laughs> out everybody, you know? Right. And yeah, it's a it, shark. Yeah, and, and it's hard because, like you said, it's like what what defines an indie? Because because there's like <laughs> because like the breadth of indie is so wide. It's mm-hmm. like like an indie game could be something like could end up being like a game like uh, <laughs> like um, I'm blanking on the name of it, but it could be a really popular game with with you know. Uh, Gosh, I can't remember anything right now. But let's say some game like... <laughs> what do you the, do in the game? I might be able to help you out. Explain it to me. Like the dude who made... Um, he made... Um, the game... Oh my goodness. Y'all, I'm so sorry to everybody You're starting off podcast. with the dude. Tell me about the game. I, I, I literally can't think of the game... Like it's a, it was a platformer back in the day. It's one of the first original platformer. I Bubsy? mean, indie game. Bubsy, thank you, 3D. Uh, Indie games was like on Xbox Live. Uh, It was was a platforming game. And it was like, and you could like change the speed. The uh, you could go back in the past and like it was a platformer with these weird. Oh, Braid. Braid. The dude who made Braid has made another game, um, which I can't remember. But that game is like (laughs) he's got support and all this stuff. Like it, but it's considered indie. But this is not like on the same level of any person who's just an average indie, you know, like mm. it's like the triple a indie. Right. And then yeah. there's the game. So this game is quality is well done, <laughs> been, you know, play tested, all this stuff. And then on the same realm of indie is you got some guy who is just making clones of other games uh-huh. and it's just trash. So it's like, there's no Shovel quality wear. control. There's no quality control or content control in the world of indie, so it's like, yeah, what does indie even mean? It's like, right? Because you know it's short for independent, but there's nothing independent about all. Like, no, they have armies behind them. There's nothing independent <laughs> about them. Yeah, yeah. Like if if you see a commercial for an indie game. It's not an indie game, like because <laughs> it wouldn't have a commercial. Like, nah, like it would be some <laughs> random dude standing outside of the convention center at GDC Hand- handing out flyers. <laughs> you know, like when he's not supposed to be there. You oh know? yeah, I still got a disc. I don't think I ever even opened it. It's probably a, a collectible oh. now. Mm-hmm. It was what like a homeless man, homeless uh, battle royale, something like that. <laughs> I'm sorry that make sure you if you ever put that on a computer make sure you you disconnect from the internet you do everything because that thing about to make you homeless he's like oh you want to play a homeless battle royale let me show you how it's done <laughs> yeah. go straight to the streets 
you finna be fighting for your survival <laughs> man a homeless battle royale that's just now nah, that's an indie game right there because don't nobody want it and ain't nobody finna play that um, he gave it to me for free of course he did on of a course. disc like on a he disc. put in the money yeah mm-hmm. he i put tripped. it in my my old pc just in case it did something wild but i don't think the game would run i forgot yeah, it's probably a virus, son. You better, you better <laughs> so it did off. run. It did run. It's like, man, this game isn't working. Like, yeah, it is working. It's doing exactly. That's how people be hacking people's computers. But um, that's what I get for trusting that disc. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it's. I, I mean, I don't know how the industry goes forward. Cause, like, what's the like? What's next? You know, like, yeah. Like, I mean, I can hear it now, you know, a lot of people are just saying, you know, get better, you know, quit complaining, get out there and find the resources and stuff, you know, the way that other industries and businesses, you know, handle whenever this type of thing happens, rather than going to the the root of it and like understanding that the community itself has been damaged, Mm -hmm. you know, like the, the reason why, you know, indie games needs to be protected is because of like what it what it allows like there's so much freedom in true indie games and there's so many new experiences that can only be made on an indie level because you know you're not going to get funding for something that hasn't been proven mm-hmm. but just because it hasn't been proven doesn't mean that it's not quote-unquote fun right you exactly. know exactly or does it, it doesn't or that it doesn't connect to some audience right like Exactly. It, does, it doesn't have to sell a hundred thousand units to be to be profitable, right? Or successful or meaningful. Right. You know, there can be somebody. I remember I made one of one of. Well, I guess maybe that's I've made four games before we started working together. I made this game called uh, Kowloon uh, Clean House Kowloon, and I that one. Yeah, and it was it was a card game. I don't even think you could play it anymore because Flash is pretty much dead. Oh, but like R.I.P. R.I.P. Um, but I released this game on a Flash site called Congregate, and um, this I'm pretty sure this is my first game that I ever released. And it was just a card game, and like it was like a word game, you know. Like it's one of those games that I want to go back and re, you know, <laughs> remaster. Hilarious. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm gonna do about as good as the GTA trilogy remaster. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but um, but essentially, it was. An okay game at best. Like, okay to bad. <laughs> bad to okay. <laughs> um, and, I mean, you can find some some enjoyment. But And the most interesting thing was I went through, I made this game, I added uh, points, and I added a leaderboard. Yes, I added a leaderboard. Hey, you got to have a leaderboard. At I don't le- know why you mentioned that. It's not a game if it doesn't have one. <laughs> at, le- at least on flashlights, like this, partic- like on Congregate, like leaderboards were like, like important. <laughs> it was like you had to have them. Have them. Cause it was like that was eight- before like true multiplayer and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was before. Like you couldn't, uh, especially in the Flash game. Like, yeah. I don't know. I guess you could do multiplayer in a Flash game nowadays, but like. That's the only way you interacted with other people in the community. And there was like daily leader daily uh leaderboards, weekly, all time. Mm-hmm. And uh so I had a different like different leaderboards for like points, for score, stuff like that. So anyway, I didn't get a ton of plays, maybe like a 
few hundred, you know, who knows? Nice. Uh, I'd have to go back, maybe less than it. But I had some people review it. Some people were like, oh, this is really cool. I like the music, blah, blah, blah. The game looks pretty bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> one, one dude said, this is thinly veiled uh, Christian propaganda. But Ooh. the game, but, but like the name of my studio was called Jesus is Lord Games. Like, ah. I'm like... I'm like, I don't know how I could thinly veil this. <laughs> like, like this is the name of my studio. And like I start out with like a scripture, like I, I don't know. You were I was being like, subtle. I guess I was being too subtle. <laughs> Wait a minute. Like, how dare you? You know I read like, it as Jesus the first time. Yeah, he was he was very very much offended. I, I was like, okay, well I appreciate like I appreciate you being offended, because that means that I had an impact. <laughs> So anyway, I make the game. Not many people are playing. A few people playing it, but one person play like I saw their their all time score was ridiculous. Loyal. It was it was like they played hundreds of hours. Oh and my was, gosh! And I was like, "What in the world?" So for one person in this world on this planet, whoever you are out there, who played Clean House Calhoun, there's no way I'll ever know who you are. Never. Maybe I could find your username on the site because it was there. But I made that game for you. You did. You brightened their world. Yeah, like for them, they really found some joy in it. And that's and crazy. To, you know, I made no money off the game. I didn't do it. But but to me, that like I think in many ways that that has encouraged me to keep making games because there is a place somebody can enjoy your game if you yeah. make it make it. With if you, know, if you go all the way through and you really you put it, put out, it there. out there, um, and so like to me, that's the indie space, like, yeah, but I, I, it feels almost like I don't know where I like the fact that people played my game was super mm-hmm. cool, but like nowadays, I don't even think there's a space that I could make that game again and anybody would ever see it or mm-hmm. be able to interact with, you know what I'm saying. So saturated out there, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that someone didn't come up with a way to save, at least a public way, to save Flash games. Like, the internet just kind of let them die. I'm very surprised by that. Like, maybe there was a way to download them and there's some tool, but it, like, at least to me, it wasn't common knowledge. You know, because that's, you know, 20 plus years archived games on these different sites that you just can't interact with anymore. Yeah, I assume, like, I can't imagine that this giant site, like, Congregate, where all of their portfolio was pretty much Flash games for a very long time. Like, they didn't do something. But, yeah, like, to think all that's lost to time is it's tough. I mean, I mean, maybe it's not, but I, I, I haven't checked. But, you know, like Flash... But Flash Player did get it yeah. got the X. It got yeah. It's definitely not supported anymore. So if you want to get hacked, that's number one way for sure. <laughs> to uh, download the update. Yeah, like you're done. You know, like <laughs> it's like oh, you're gone. You know. Um, yeah. I mean, I I feel like that's that's where like I I assume it exists. You know, as, as we were talking about like journalism and GMTK, like we were talking about like journalism earlier in general in the gaming industry and i don't know maybe maybe i'm i'm not aware of it but but i wonder if there is there do you, is there an outlet 
a journalism outlet that is purely indie fo- game focused, but not like just oh, like you know, bend it like <laughs> I almost said bend it like Bennett Foddy. <laughs> what's the stupid game? <laughs> um, uh, what what's the game Bennett Foddy game? You know what I'm talking about. He, uh, he's made a couple of them, but the last one was getting over it. Getting over it. Um, you know uh, that dude's and, good. You know, like is is there a place that reviews really small indie games, you know? And and what is the place for like, game journalism? Like, it kind of goes back to this idea of, like, these people don't know how to play games, but they evaluate games, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you what do you think about game journalism in, in general? So, unfortunately, it seems like it's something that's been hijacked by the industry, you know? Most, if not all, the game journalists that I'm aware of cover new games, popular games, you know, and I say new as in like AAA new, but the marketing budget sent them a code or just came out. So it's on everybody's mind type of games, not, you know, games that, you know, are new in time alone, you know, like. Like the smaller indie games, to my knowledge, I don't know of anywhere that's just like, you know, trying to find them. Because one thing I, I I try to understand is, you know, games like Among Us, you know, like that was a small indie game, relatively. It came out in 2018, and then all of a sudden in 2020, it was popular, mm-hmm. but... And I don't know if it was already popular on its platform it was on or like how that happened. But it leads me to believe that somebody somewhere out there is looking at these indie games with no marketing budget and putting them in front of people. But, you know, what that process is, where it's happening and which ones make the cut. Is it seems to all be random or lucky or i don't know yeah yeah you know and and actually I, now that you talk about uh among us i it's funny because i actually think the way that among us became popular was purely because of a twitch streamer or a youtuber uh not rice gum uh man i can't remember the guy's name but uh he's a twitch streamer and all he did was play among us hmm and before it was cool but he like he basically started the among us craze like wow it wasn't through uh marketing it wasn't through it was literally a a twitch streamer a youtuber and to think that like the only way that you can get popular is through some guy or girl randomly playing your game you know i guess someone who already has a following to some yeah. degree and then that spreads it and it becomes viral you know that's yeah. how a, a lot of games of you know I, I was just uh one of one of the the uh gdc talks somebody was saying like yeah now as a publisher it's co- it's core like you need to go and approach these streamers and pay them money to play your game wow you know so like now that yeah. people like before it was like oh it's just oh it just happened like this guy played the game and it made it really popular. Now it's like, yeah, like the people with money now see this and they're like, oh. Right. You know, 
like and it brings it to the next level mm-hmm. it's like how do you possibly compete with that like how do you even get slightly noticed yeah you know like how do you yeah especially because you're such a drop in the bucket like even though flash is no longer a thing you know unity has more than filled that slot uh game maker or rpg maker you know um what was it it was it was the program you used to use uh another 2d oh. game maker Con- construct construct yeah all these you know they're all supported i'm pretty sure all of them are supported by itch to where you could publish your game and it's like hundreds if not thousands of games are published every day just there but i remember seeing a statistic that on steam there are like hundreds if not thousands of games posted every day so crazy it's so crazy and so it's like how first off how do you get noticed and then how do you even demand someone's time to play your game if they notice it like you have a nice uh cover image or anything like they might you know like just getting in in the door I, I just feel like there's no <laughs> I feel like the answer is just almost pure luck <laughs> like <laughs> it, it doesn't feel like there's like it's either you have the money to to put your 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 game in front of people or your game is just going to die a silent death or get lucky you know and get picked up and I feel like that's that's the problem right like like if you if you can only like and you know what maybe this is how all industries work if you really think about it i think we're both fans of shark tank oh yeah know? and there's definitely hard work and there's definitely people who are out there out 100%. in these streets but it's like there's a there's a point there's a point where it's like you engage with the right person at the right time in the right space you know what i'm saying yeah and and then you have an opportunity that you possibly couldn't get. And I feel like, and also money. Like how many times has somebody on Shark Tank said, I've put in $700,000. <laughs> asked all my uncles and aunts. And cousins. I'm like, who are your uncles and aunts and cousins? I need to holler I sold that. my dog. <laughs> my dog sold his kids. You know, like it's, it's, it's hard to, to even imagine how you can right. get to and a then, place, you know. And then you hear about like you hear about that you hear that story how much money they invested into it, and then none of the sharks invest. It's like mm-hmm. like this is something someone believed in enough to spend this much time, more like more than half a million dollars into, but that in and of itself isn't even enough of a guarantee that yeah. it's going to be successful. So it's like if you don't even have that, you know, like yeah, it. And not to sound, you know, super depressing or anything, but it's just like, that's that's the reality of it is sometimes, you know, it's like, how do you even expect for your thing you put out there with no marketing <laughs> <laughs> to, to even really exist as far as the internet is concerned? Yeah, like, you, you have to hope that you can somehow, I mean, it, like, it is blind hope, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> like, that somehow... Yeah, you're going to be the the person who rise above, who rises above all of the challenges, you know. Yeah, you know, and it's like, how 
Like you don't want to set your base, your your company or your dreams or your life off of literally a, a, a what do you call it? Like a card draw from a pile, you know? Mm, yeah, um, it's a chance. You know, yeah. it's like, it's like there's no, I don't know. It just feels like everything's a gamble, of course. On but like level, at this, yeah. yeah, but at a, but at a point like you, like how do you as a person who actually has a really good idea, who's actually really talented, who actually knows what they're doing, has something that to offer. Mm-hmm. How do you get out there and get in front of the right people without luck or a lot of money? Yeah. I wish there was a way to know how many Stardew Valleys are out there, how many Minecrafts, <laughs> you know, like how many indie games that somebody, you know, spent a lifetime working on and brought it to a level of polish and put it out there, you know, put their financial state in jeopardy, knowing that it's just as good. And everybody else would agree if we knew it existed. Like, how many of those games are actually just out there in the ether, I wonder? How many games that are worthwhile and worth, that have never been discovered, you mean? Yeah. Yo, that's terrifying. <laughs> like, I... Because I don't we know, know of mm-hmm. big publishers, like, they'll start developing a game, right? They have all the money and resources. They'll, they'll put a demo out, at least, you know, in the age of demos... And everybody will love the demo, and then they'll cancel the game. Yeah. Yeah. And those are just the ones we know about that are good. Yeah, because it's how many games have been, that you hear about, like, years and years later, that, like, never... Yeah. That just never somehow, what do you call it, like, moved its way up the the weird (laughs) ladder. Yeah. (laughs) That you find out, like, oh, yeah, they had this random game in development. 15 years ago it just never got released Cancel. you know yeah i mean it's terrifying because like if you go to uh like like you said about steam like man like imagine putting and this is something that we even have to consider as people who truly genuinely desire to be like in the creative field creating creative content that matters that impacts people mm-hmm. it's like yeah. making this game putting years and years into your of your life into it even putting maybe a marketing budget and having a publisher, all this stuff, it gets released on Steam alongside 99 other games, 50 yeah. of them being clone games, you know, another 48 <laughs> of them being like games that are like okay or seem cool, three <laughs> puzzle platformers. <laughs> right. With and like, a handful that are eerily similar to yours somehow. Yeah, somehow. And then one AAA game, like an Arkham Asylum, drop on the same day as yours. Like, right. your game is lost. And you spent lost. two, three, who knows how long, you know? Like, yeah, it's Years terrifying. and money. And, yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it feels like one of those things where in life... Everything somewhat is a gamble, but like in, in especially in game dev and, and stuff like that, like like going back to like our original discussion, it's like number one, this is a hard craft to be in, and mm-hmm. super and competitive, to, and and to hear you know that somebody who's been speaking as an authority doesn't know anything about it, and then like realizing like behind all that, like you speak very highly on what makes a good game a game or a bad game, but like. 
does it matter if your game is good? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. You know, like, like yeah, I mean, ultimately dep- depends on what your goals are. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 just kind of going back to GMTK, like, and I I just want to put this out there, like, it was kind of disappointing, like, even trying to put your hard effort into a game jam when it felt like some people were getting treatment, special attention, special attention, special treatment. Like, kind of knew something that you didn't know? Yo, legitimately, one of the games was on the homepage of, of Itch yes. during the uh, voting process of the game jam. What, what, how does that even make sense? How, can, how does a game... How, how is that fair to the, the person who, who thinks this is an opportunity for them to get some exposure when a game comes in already with exposure? At a game jam, <laughs> where you're supposed to create a new game from scratch. Exactly. Like, yeah. not that I, I want to say the indie game industry is corrupt, but I feel like there there is some level of, uh, there's an in-club, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, anything worth being a part of has its own level of politics inside of it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. Yeah. And so... But then you got to decide, you know, if that's the game you want to play, because I think one of the positive things to come out of your story with your game is another thing that you can also garner from like Shark Tank. You know, when maybe you put a lot of effort, time into something and other people don't see the value, like the people who you want to value it don't see the value. But and even, you know. In endeavors like this with the podcast, YouTube, it's really about reaching those who it does matter to, you know, like yeah. finding value in those or finding those who will find value in it, you know, versus trying to make something that's valuable to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's like there, there's some there's something more. Like at the end of the day, if you're if you're a, a game developer and and somebody who who really cares about this stuff, like you genuinely you put your whole heart and soul into this, and yeah, and even if you know nobody ever plays your game, if nobody ever sees your game, you know, like you still really want it to be out there, and you want hopefully somebody to experience it and engage with it, and so. Mm-hmm. I guess it's like any creative endeavor, right? Like art or dancing or, you know, yeah. like, and, and I, and I hope in many ways for those who may be interested in game development are listening today is that like, number one, like, don't worry about the quote unquote experts because we were tricked. <laughs> we, we've been at it. Bamboozled. Bamboozled. You know, and we've been to GDC and we've really like dug into this and we it was hard to tell when somebody wasn't really about that life um right and but at the end of the day like it doesn't matter because who who, who's an authority in this you know yeah what does that really mean you know yeah like if if you want to make a game you enjoy making a game you're enjoying the process of making a game then even in that to that token, you know, finishing the game shouldn't even be like I, I encourage anybody who is starting a game to just see it through. But you really got to 
you know, do it based on what your intentions are. Like if you want it to be a learning experience, let it be that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like can enjoy the process sometimes. Because yeah. maybe down the line, you'll make another game and you'll publish that one. Because what comes to my mind is like a lot of times, especially in the the age of social media, you know, if you do anything creative, you first, you, you know, you this there's this compelling dysfunction to share it. But mm-hmm. then <laughs> when you want to share something, you have this certain level of polish in your mind most of the time. And I think about like, and this is a super old reference, but like artists who died, I guess hundreds of years ago now, like Van Gogh, like you, they, they find, they'd find like his sketches and stuff, stuff he'd never show anybody like of him, of him practicing and getting better at his craft, you know, like the stuff he'd never share. And it wasn't necessarily meant to be shared, but it's just like, even somebody who's great, you know, they're creating stuff that maybe nobody will ever see. They're creating stuff that maybe will never get published. They're creating stuff that maybe it will get published, but nobody will ever see it, mm-hmm. you know. But then I think it goes back to a conversation we've had before about like overnight successes and stuff. And it, the weird idea behind that, you know, how every indie game that's ever come out and was successful is the first one they ever made, you know, overnight, yeah. you know. And it's just like kind of demystifying that whole idea, too. It's just. Just get out there and do it sometimes, you know? For real. And it's, and it's hard because at the end of the day, like, you got to know, like you said, like, it has to be something for you. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, like, yes, even if it's for you and it's for financial gain, amen. If that's your goal, you should approach it with that, <laughs> you know, right. mindset and spend more time thinking about how do I make this game monetizable and a way to support my family. And, you know, because, you know, if you ask any person who's done any artistic endeavor, what's the difference? What's the difference in skill between a starving artist and a million dollar artist? Sometimes it's (laughs) the starving artist is better. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. You know, it's true. And you're like, how could, like, or musicians, man. Like, how many times is like, you're like, how is this man or woman a star? When I've seen a girl at my local church or at the Starbucks on a Tuesday singing, and you're like, yo, like, this girl is crazy good. It's like, like, you have to be honest, you know, like, do I want to be a part of this game? Like, do I need to you know approach it and and yeah like if if it's like me and Kyle I, who knows what our goal is going to be at the end of the day you know i think for and and i'm i guess i'll open this to you and ask you you know as we kind of wrap up this episode like like Kyle like and and i share first like what why do you do this you know um why do you make games and for me i make games because it's truly one of the most authentic ways that i can express myself mm. and yeah. Number one, being a lover of games. I mean, I have all these Game Informer magazines and I listen to GDC talks and I like really think about this stuff outside of just making games. Like to me, this is like truly an extension of myself. And yes, I'd love to be a game developer full time. Yes, I'd love to make games full time. But to me, that's not necessarily the end goal. The end goal is to make something meaningful and impactful to somebody 
and to get it in front of people who want to see it, you know, and not even necessarily to make money, but to have an impact. Like, I mean, how many kids have played Minecraft mm-hmm. and it really was something that they needed at that time in their life? Just right. an escape, you know, maybe yeah. the pressures at school or at home or how to connect with their friends. Like, it's more than just a game for them. And, right. And I know that's how a lot of games have been for me. It's more than a game for me. Like, I don't mm-hmm. talk about it as like, yeah, I got the highest score and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, like this game, like literally, I, you know, Age of Empires and um, Dynasty Warriors, they have such, they're, they're an integral part of my story and my life. Even though those games are <laughs> completely different, Dynasty Warriors is lightweight, a lot of people would say with trash to them, to me. It was meaningful. And I, I just want to make something meaningful. And uh, yeah. I think games is one of the mediums and, you know, any other creative thing is another one. But that's kind of why I make games, because I want them to matter to somebody and make an impact. Uh, so, yeah. What about you, Cal? That's awesome, man. Yeah, I agree on a lot of those fronts. Um, but I guess for, for me, any creative endeavor, you know, all kind of stems from the same place. And I'm not going to say his name in case I misquote him, but there's a what, psychologist, I guess. Is that the right one? Mm-hmm. Um, who he mentioned this idea of like suffering from being a creative. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people say that they're creative, but, you know, to truly be one isn't necessarily that desirable because you can't turn it off. And it's like this innate desire to and it's not just to necessarily like make something all the time. It's just like you you can't shut your brain off. And mm-hmm. so making something is like the only form of release as far as, you know, it not being so stressed and amped up, you know, like like being being contained somewhere where you can't do anything is like the absolutely worst. And I, I would say that I'm kind of, you know, not necessarily high on that spectrum, but I feel like I fall in that to where I always feel like I need to be doing something with my hands. Like I need to be making something. I need to be working on something because my mind, it just doesn't stop. And it doesn't mean I have like a bunch of good ideas or anything like that. Everything I make is even stuff that I even necessarily like all the time. But it's like being creative to me is when I feel the most alive. And so whether it be playing music or drawing or game development, you know, something that is that creative outlet. Like, and and it's one thing I'm trying to get past because it, eventually I'd like for people to see the stuff we make, you know, and like mm-hmm. you said, you know, monetize it and it be a career. But it's like a lot of times it's just I just make stuff because I just enjoy making stuff, you know. And games have been no different for me necessarily. And so I might have a biased opinion when it comes to like just making stuff. So not to uh, take away what I said earlier about just kind of making stuff. I still think that's a good idea, but that might be why I have the inclination to do that is because that's just where that's just where my heart lies. You know, is just in creating things that I hardly care about the medium and I hardly care about opportune times. You yeah. Know? Like if we can if we can just make something, I'm down. Yeah, something meaningful. You know, I think you know. You said something that uh, I I've been 
it's hard. I, you kind of said something I've struggled trying to express to, to others for a long time is that I feel the most alive when I create, mm-hmm. you know, like for that period of time where like we were both pretty busy and we weren't making any games like th- those were like not that life was like super hard or anything, but I definitely felt like those were just like years and days where I was just like doing just living. You know, life was good. What am I doing? Yeah. Yeah, You know, like work, it was just work every day. And, you know, and, and I was thankful for all the relationships I had and everything like that. But there was always a piece of me missing. Like I need to create something. So even when I wasn't creating games, I was finding another capacity. So that's when I picked Mm -hmm. up the cajon, you know, and I was playing at my church. And that was my, remember when we had a jam session at Guitar Center, you know, like it was always looking like it's always looking for an outlet, right? That creativity. Yeah. And um, I really do feel like a lot of times when I'm creating is when I feel the closest to like God in a weird way. Like it's when yeah. I feel like you got to think like God created man. And, you know, for those who are religious or or not, like just speaking from my own personal beliefs, like if, if God created man and he was like happy and all this stuff, like maybe there's a piece of us who enjoys to create because like that's just a part of what man is. And um, and I, I don't know, it's always resonated with me and yeah um you know even from when i was a kid you know i had to create something you know i was learning to draw or i was learning to break dance or it had to be right. some creative outlet i I, was, I go crazy when i feel like i'm not <laughs> right. making something right i got i have to really be careful with it because i can get like almost depressed because like, i just get into a funk because it's like, man, what am I doing with my life if I'm not making anything? Mm-hmm. It's like sometimes where my mind goes. And it's like, it's a really, it's a, it's a crazy kind of thing, you know? And yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a balance. And, and I think that's, that's the curse of creativity, you know? Yeah. Like how many ideas do we have that we know will never be made? Mm-hmm. And, but like, they still like, they, like we yearn for them to be created. Um, and like, it's like, man, I got to create this idea. You know, me and me and Kyle have an idea. We can't tell y'all about it because it's too <laughs> good of an idea. But that is literally like, I think if me and Kyle were really real, if there's one game that we feel that we have to make before our life is over, it's this game. Yeah. And, um, we already have it planned out. I still have the documents. We, we, lit- we both came to a conclusion that we weren't at a place where we can make it the way that we want to, right? right. And yeah, so we had to step away, you know? It's intended to be, even, I mean, we think it's going to be great, but even if it's not, it's intended to be our magnum opus. <laughs> really? So yes. Anything we do in the interim has to be just that, you know, if it's successful too, that's not awesome. a bad thing. Awesome. But yeah, we, yeah. Yeah, I feel like everything that we do today, all the games we make, all the creative things, it's all like just a train heading in that direction to that train stop. Like we're trying to get the experience we need, the skills right. we need to be able to make this game. And I do believe that this game could be successful. If anything, like I think it could have an impact, a meaningful impact on people who are who are conscientious, real people who who love gaming but are in a different place in their life. Uh, so, yeah. It's meant you know. to tick specific boxes. Mm-hmm. So, 
end. And I, I would I would go as far to say that everything that we've made together, all these games, have had that that same energy behind it. As far as like we haven't done anything haphazardly. You know? True. Like it's always True. with the intent to yeah. be respectful <laughs> of whoever's <laughs> time is invested mm-hmm. into whatever we make. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing that I, I would say about the games we make and. In the we're working on some games now. It's like we are always trying to invoke a feeling to our games. You know, like what like the the realest thing is like we start making our game mechanic, and then you know me, I'm crazy, so I always like to put music and like some of that stuff in. And like once we put the music and get like certain pieces together, it starts to feel like a thing, mm-hmm. and that's when it's like oh, we're yeah. heading somewhere. You know, like. You know, there's a there's a a game we made at a game jam that I still like build it like human where I'm like, we got to make this game, you know, like, yeah, it, it has a feeling that I think would really resonate with a lot of people. This might not be the time to make it, but I think we can make it. So and we and to a degree, you know, we did. We got we got the idea out there. We built mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes, a prototype. Yeah. You know, and it's released. People could play it now. And yeah. so just want to reiterate one of the things we said earlier, you know, like release your game. Don't get caught up in the polish, especially if it's your first attempt. You mm-hmm. know, if your goal is to make a game and see it through, be easy on yourself. Right. Yeah. Be careful of the the scope creep. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it's tough, you know, for anybody who's listened this far into the podcast, you know, we started off kind of on like a, a pretty harsh note. But like a very real, <laughs> like, like talking seriously about like a particular, yeah. you know, creator and, you know, nothing against their journey. But it's kind of like even to them, to the GMTK guy, Mark or whatever, like, yeah, make the game you want to make. But understand that, like, <laughs> for us as game developers, like we take this really seriously and it kind of <laughs> feels hurtful to know that. Like there's somebody not not to say that it was your goal to masquerade or anything like that, but it kind of felt like that to us. And yeah, to see that like wow, like somebody we looked up to was really just kind of playing us a little bit, you know, it kind of it kind of it kind of hurts, especially from where we're coming from uh, as game developers and people who care about this craft, you know. So exactly, yeah. yeah. So, um, oh, so before we wrap up, guess what, Kyle? I managed to find the original page for my game on congregate i was just you found of, it yeah it was i actually had to log into my old developer account um wow. because i couldn't find it in the search because i think they delisted it but uh, i want you to say the url character by character yes. on the podcast uh good luck <laughs> good luck with that um all i can say is it's on congregate it's made by Jill Games, and it's called Clean House Kowloon. You can't really play it because you have to get, like, a weird thing to enable Flash Player uh, in your browser. <laughs> and oh I, I, don't, I don't know what... I'm not messing with that. Download but, uh, it. Yeah, I don't know. I got to figure that out. I'm going to do that after here. But it's funny. <laughs> I, all the comments are gone. So, sadly, you know, I, you can't see the comments that people were saying. But, oh, so nobody can verify if anything you said was true. <laughs> was How true. convenient. But what as hats does still exist is my high scores um, oh. uh, uh, list. And I'm looking through and I see like, yeah, some people played it. Like basically it was a word game. And like the average person maybe found like maybe 
10 to 50 words. There's some people who found, you know, hundreds of words, wow. you know, and, and you have to understand in each game, there's maybe like five words to find. Oh, wow. So you'd have so to it play takes it a while to get that many. Yeah, quite a bit, you know, um, and it looks like one person reached the maximum level in the game. Only one person that the guy <laughs> I was talking out. about, because uh, it's level yeah. 25. And to get to 25, you have to play through a, quite a bit of content. Uh, like, I didn't get to level 25. <laughs> so, um, you know, shout out to, to Ergodyne. That's the name of his, his username for making it to level 25. So anyway, nice. uh, yeah, you know, hey, you know, shout out to our boy Steve. You know, you're missed. Uh, but uh, hopefully when he listens to this podcast, he can uh, learn him a thing about game development. Learn something. Learn you a thing, boy. Um, but uh, as always, you know, thank you, Kyle, for your time. Um, and uh, thank you. It was a pleasure, man. Yeah, man. It was a good discussion. A lot of things got off our chest today. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening. You know, to game devs, to just normal people. <laughs> you know, uh, we, were appreci- we really appreciate it. Please, you know, um, share these you know what we're doing with other people you know we just want more people to know about it and get join our discussion you know of course leave comments you know feel free to reach out to us we hope to have one of these days uh a um uh twitter we were just talking about it so uh, (laughs) then you can really communicate with us in real time um but uh yeah you know shout out to all the people in the super agile bros nation we appreciate y'all we love y'all and uh thank you for listening and as always you know Until next time, peace.